and the mythical beast, Kurt Schroeder. Kurt, how are you, man? We haven't uh, chopped it up in a while. I'm outstanding, Adam. Looking outside, and I see it's bright and sunny in Reno, Nevada. Can't complain. It's also NFL draft day. So I'll be spending most of my day, but here, we're not talking about NFL. We're talking about basketball here on this podcast. Yes, we are. And you know what else we're talking about, my friend? We're talking about Athletic Greens, all right? And, and, and you've heard of Athletic Greens. You've heard some good things, it sounds like. Um, tons of people take a multivitamin. I take a multivitamin. And it's important to choose one that's uh, top-notch. But with one scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens, uh, help you stay right, start your day right. Uh, it's a nice blend of ingredients, help support gut health, the nervous system, the immune system, energy recovery, focus, aging, uh, really pretty lifestyle friendly and, um, you know, adapts to a wide range of diets. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals, no nonsense like that, no BS, costs less than $3 a day. So it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially during cold and flu season. Uh, it's just one scoop of water or in a, a cup of water every day. That's it. Then you're good to go. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. Make it easy. Athletic Greens going to give you one free year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase. So you'll be, you'll be having more greens than Ricky Williams on a hiatus, my friend. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Take ownership of your health and pick up ultimate daily nutrition insurance. And you know what? Speaking of colors, speaking of green, how about ColorCast, all right? It's live audio only sports talk platform. Free to download to use. Talk to me. Talk to Kurt. Talk to athletes. Insiders real time. Perfect for watch parties, debates, post game breakdowns, and uh, you know you can share your own experience on the app. All you need to do is download the Colorcast app. Uh, you create a profile, link your Twitter, and then uh, you're good to go. Anyway, let's get to the business, my friend. Um, this is your time to shine. This is the best the Celtics have looked in a long time. There were, there were some years where there was some false hope. I think this is real hope. This isn't a mirage. This is a really good team. A lot of people saying that the Celtics are uh, their favorite to come out of the East right now. And they just took care of business against the uh, Brooklyn Nets, which I don't think is that great of an accomplishment, frankly. I think the Nets are a fraud, but still bask in this glory, Kurt. How are you feeling? <laughs> Definitely the most excited I've been since about 2012 when those Celtics teams with, you know, the end of the Paul Pierce, the Ray Allen, the Kevin Garnett, the Rajon Rondo era, they took the Miami Heat to game seven in the Eastern Conference Finals and then didn't get the job done in that game seven. But yeah, it's been about 10 years. Uh, yeah, you mentioned that false hope. Handful of times where Isaiah Thomas had some really, really good Celtics teams. They even had the one seed at one point, but everyone's looking at the standings 
And they're like, ah, yeah, but LeBron and Cleveland over there at the four seed, they're probably going to come out of the East. And they did because you can't be led by a five foot nine guy. It's just not going to happen. But the Celtics team, oh my goodness, Adam, I don't even know where to, where to begin. There's, there's so many jumping off points here, sweeping the Brooklyn Nets. And yeah, the Brooklyn Nets had a handful of issues, but Kyrie Irving, he can still hoop. He was there all four games. Kevin Durant, he was there all four games. That's probably the worst I've ever seen Kevin Durant look. And it wasn't necessarily what Kevin Durant did or didn't do. It was what the Celtics were doing to make him uncomfortable. I saw a handful of times they just, you know, they rotate really, really well. They close out. That everybody switches. You had Grant Williams, I heard this stat, holding Kevin Durant to 40% shooting on one-on-one defense. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, Grant Williams, he's a guy who comes off the bench and hit a few threes for you in the corner, but you don't really see him as a Kevin Durant stopper. And 40%, okay, it's not horrible, but for a guy who's probably the greatest offensive player that we've ever seen in this game, shoot 40% against this one guy that's just coming off the bench, I think it just shows how well the Celtics are playing defensively. They can play with anybody. Robert Williams is coming back, getting more minutes off of that meniscus injury. So they're almost as healthy as they have been. They're playing as good a basketball as I've seen. They, it's, it's amazing to see how good they are right now, given what we saw, I guess it would be prior to the middle of January, where they were borderline unwatchable, three games under 500. No one gave them a chance to be in this position. And now they're my pick to come out of the Eastern Conference. Uh, and another guy who deserves some incredible uh, credit is Jason Tatum. Mm. I think we, we think about Jason Tatum is in, you know, we got to throw a quick shout out to Reed, shout out Reed, shout out Reed, shout out the group chat. You know, uh, me, me, Ben and Reed are in this group chat and we got into a pretty nice little debate. Uh, after the last episode, and if you haven't listened to the last episode, me and Ben, uh, we said that the Heat don't necessarily have a top 10 player, but really close with Jimmy Butler. And by doing so, we mentioned the 10 guys better than Butler. Jason Tatum was on that list. Mm. My take on the general uh, basketball world's take, if you will, for getting a little meta here, is I feel like everyone realizes that Jason Tatum's an elite scorer. Uh, you know, he had that 60-point game against the Celtics. He can score from everywhere. He's like 6'10". He can slash. He he uh, always seems to shoot around 40% from three. He can do it all. He doesn't get enough credit on the defensive end. And, you know, if you look at a guy like uh, Kevin Durant and you consider his frame, this is actually someone who has the stature to be there to be there on him, you know, uh, and it's a short list, but Chris Forberg, uh, Forsberg, this is his tweet from uh, April 24th. So Jason Tatum defending Kevin Durant, this series uh, per NBA tracking data. So there was 27 minutes, one second of matchup time, 120.9 possessions in this 10 points, two of 15 field goals, 0 of four from three, 10 turnovers two blocks, two shooting fouls. So, I mean, he like, he, he shut him down, you know? And I think uh, one of the reasons I did like the Celtics in this series, I did think the Nets might take some, but one of the reasons I really like the Celtics is because you have those guys like Grant Williams, you have Jason Tatum, um, 
I feel like you probably watched that series a little closer than me. Did they use much Jalen Brown on him as well? Everyone switched. And I think one of the things that was interesting is there were times where you'd see Marcus Smart on someone. And then, you know, a handful of seconds into the possession, they would blitz with someone else. And they would just kind of keep everyone uh, on the nets off guard a little bit. They didn't necessarily show them the same look. They made adjustments. Every single person on the Celtics can defend. And I think that that is what has led to so much success for them because it's not like, how can we hide this guy? How do we scheme around a defensive deficiency here and there? It's, hey, we got five guys on the floor who are willing to defend, who can defend, who all buy into Ime Odoka's scheme, and we're just going to make everybody uncomfortable. They contest shots without fouling. Again, they blitz. They make people uncomfortable. They make uh, ball handlers give the ball up. There were a handful of times where Kyrie is kind of just looking at the floor. He's trying to figure out where he makes the next pass. Marcus Smart's on him, the defensive player of the year. And then out of nowhere, Grant Williams will come and blitz him. And Kyrie is like, oh, shoot, I got to get out of this double team and I got to kick it out. And maybe a guy who was you know, not necessarily expecting a pass now has the ball. Every time I've seen the Celtics mess up defensively, someone is there to cover the, the ground of the person who messed up. They switch. The effort is there. I feel like they just they buy in more. And it's beautiful to watch. There are no easy shots for anyone against that Celtics team. And that's why they're the number one defensive team in the league. Yeah. And, and especially in the playoffs, uh, Tatum and Brown ranked first and third respectively among all defenders in the postseason in deflections per game. And so that's just active hands. I bet you can guess who's uh, sandwiched in between someone who's not quite as good as Jason Tatum, but really close. <laughs> Is this just in the in the playoffs or on the in Celtics? In the playoffs, yeah. Deflections per game. Oh, man. Is it Kyle Lowry? Jimmy Butler. Oh, all right. Well, of course. Same right? team. Yeah. E-culture. Yeah. Uh, two really good defenses. Um, but, yeah, man. I it's, it's so weird because, like, I still want to give Brad Stevens a lot of credit here. Brad Stevens isn't the coach anymore, obviously. But the guy's done a great job um in the front office like I love the uh the depth and interchangeability of the Celtics I think that's one of the things that makes them so dangerous and that Derek White pickup to uh what we were talking about it the other day you pretty much get rid of the dead weight of Josh Richardson and no disrespect to him like he's he's fine but like he wasn't really let's just say Derek White's an upgrade on both ends you know um, and especially, uh, White's a guy who can, you really have to respect his offensive game. He, he can, he's kind of a three level scorer. He's a big guard that can play either position. And I love that you have the ability now to have him and Marcus smart out there together, him and in the Tatum in Brown, it's like, you have these, uh, just like every single player will have a lockdown defender on them. Uh, and then the Celtics, uh, Robert Williams, Al Horford, Daniel Tice. You know, I think they might be the deepest team in the NBA. Yeah, in terms of what you get out of the nine-guy rotation, sometimes even 10-guy rotation when Aaron Neesmith comes off the bench. Um, I, I see it that way to an extent. 
Um, yeah, I mean, you got to give Brad Stevens a ton of credit. And I don't necessarily want to throw Josh Richardson under the bus, but it's the guys like Ennis Cantor, Ennis Cantor Freedom. Um, you know, not really a good defensive player. Yeah, he'd get you a few boards and a few points off the bench, but I feel like it wasn't really good minutes, no really good, good production from him. Uh, I think the biggest cog was Dennis Schroeder. So they got rid of him. You know, he, he wasn't really moving the ball very well. Didn't really put up great offensive numbers. Wasn't very efficient. Wasn't when they got rid of Dennis Schroeder, yeah, when they got rid of Dennis Schroeder, they moved Marcus Smart back in the traditional point guard role, which is something that he thrived in in high school and college at Oklahoma State. So I think that it wasn't necessarily unloading bad talent and, you know, elevating someone who was good off the bench. I think it was just like, like you mentioned, it just wasn't a good fit. And once you get rid of some guys that, you know, don't necessarily fit the scheme or, you know, whatever it may be, then you find guys that are better in maybe a different role than they were in before. And that's really when they took off. When you throw out that lineup of you have Marcus Smart uh, as your traditional point guard, and then that Derek White addition off the bench, he can also run the point. So two yeah. very capable point guards. You have Jalen Brown, you have Jason Tatum, you have Robert Williams, one healthy, then you have Al Horford. And then you have guys off the bench. Peyton Pritchard has been outstanding in limited minutes, you know, about 10 to 15 minutes, but he's getting double digit points for you. Daniel Tice, a tremendous addition. And I, I don't think that when they got him, they realized how good and how valuable he was going to be. Once they got him from the Houston Rockets, they kind of just got him to be like, Hey, here's a guy who's played in our system. We like his game. Let's unload three guys that don't really contribute anything for us. But now he's being, uh, you know, one of the starting forwards with Rob Williams trying to come back from injury. And Grant Williams has been outstanding. Again, four for five, I believe, in that last game from three. Um, they, they've gotten everything that they've wanted in that series. And one of the things that I was kind of keeping an eye on, too, and I don't know if I can definitively say this, but they swept the, the nets. And part of me is wondering if Kyrie didn't want to go to Boston for a closeout game. Oh, my goodness. Not enough sage in the world for that. No. Um, quick side note. Have you been watching um, the new HBO show, Winning Time? I have not, no. The last episode, the Lakers go to Boston, and it is awesome. So check it out. Um, so this you know, will be like, in the, the mid-'80s? It's, it's uh, Magic's rookie year. So Magic and Bird are both oh, rookies, okay. and it's their first time meeting as pros and in Boston. And um, I don't want to give anything away, but the show is a really good blend of uh, like a, a serious show that, um, you know, like follows the rules of physics and stuff that occasionally breaks them to make it funny, you know? And all, there's like a little leprechaun. You just hear a little leprechaun laughing. And it's just like, this is amazing, you know? And uh, all, like the LA locker room's talking about it. And it's like, oh, it's the leprechaun, man. <laughs> like, like, you know, they're like, like, oh, screw Boston, man. I hate playing in the garden. And like, they just do such a great job. There's like rats racing across the floor. Uh, Brett Auerbach sends up uh, a vegetable to Jerry Buss and gives him seats at the very last row. Uh, you'd love it. You'd love it. Maybe just watch that episode and then you can backtrack, but that, that would be a good jumping off point for you. Fair uh, enough. I'll check it out. It, it's honestly really good. John C. Riley, Paul's very own. All right. Um, 
but yeah, man, it, it it'll be very interesting. Uh, I guess let's transition a little bit. The Milwaukee Bucks just dismantled the broken Chicago Bulls. Um, I'm not even mad. I'm not sad. I'm happy they got a game as a Bulls fan. I thought they might get swept. Uh, they were real close to having maybe a bad call away from winning two games in that series. That ridiculous should have been over the back call on Giannis. Got away with one. What are you going to do? Um, my, my quick thoughts on the Bulls is they're in position where they are an attractive destination again. They had a really solid year. Uh, they have an identity as a team. They're much better with Lonzo Ball. They really, really, really need a backup big who can play the four and the five. He's got to be able to be a, a passer and a shooter. He can't be Tristan Thompson. Uh, it can't be Tony Bradley. Not that they would get this guy, but the, if I could grab any player in the league and insert him as that backup four or five for the Bulls, it would be Nas Reed off uh the minnesota timberwolves they need a guy like that daniel tice would be perfect bring him back to the bulls um but do you have any any thoughts on that one yeah i mean i don't want to speak for bulls fans but i feel like you know missing the playoffs the last handful of years i feel like very few teams can do what the phoenix suns did where they miss the playoffs and then the next year they're in the nba finals so i think this was a good step in the right direction for the Bulls. And also, too, you look at it, Patrick Williams was out for most of the season, came back in the series, and okay, played yeah, well. he, yeah, played well. But again, like, you know, I, I feel like he probably could have been more effective if he was healthy throughout the season. You, oh, miss, Zach, you miss Zach Levine, the COVID protocol. The Bucks are going to be a better team anyway. They're defending NBA champions. It was a tough series regardless, but yeah, and Lonzo Ball was out. So it's, you know, it's not like the Bulls were fully healthy and they just, you know, got waxed. It was, okay, the Bulls were also missing a handful of guys. So I think that there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic as a Bulls fan moving forward. Yeah. Like you mentioned, Chicago is, I believe it's the number three market in the country. So you got Lonzo Ball, who is very, very selfless. You have, uh, you know, Zach Levine, and who knows what happens with DeMar DeRozan moving forward. I don't know if you can expect the same level of production, but again, Vucevic is, is still there, of course. So there's names that maybe free agents could be like, hey, I, I see something here. Still a relatively young team, very athletic team with Chicago. Um, I see a lot of reasons why people would want to join the Bulls in the offseason for sure. So I think that this is kind of just the start of their yeah. success forward. Yeah, they're, they're cool again. Yeah. Which like really, really matters. Uh, I mean, you can look at a team like the Clippers who were so uncool for decades. Like the Clippers were uncool. They were never cool, period. Mm -hmm. Like San Diego Clippers with that jackass uh, Donald Sterling. Shh, not cool. Uh, L.A. Clippers, or maybe that's when uh, maybe Sterling took over when they became the L.A. Clippers. But I mean, like what? You got friggin Corey Maggette out here. You got uh, Eric Piakowski out here. You got a uh, young Lamar, Mo Lamar Odom. Ooh, I mean, hey, don't no disrespect. Those guys could hoop, but that's not going to put butts in seats. But then you look at what's happened, and that team became cool, and they can get guys like Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. You know, uh, they become a bit of a destination. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard. You know, he signed there, uh, but the Bulls 
they don't have to worry about like they're not playing from behind in the grand scheme of things, if you will. Like the Clippers were never cool. The Bulls, not that long ago, were the coolest team on planet Earth for about 10 years. You know, uh, of all the states I've lived in, I'm, I wonder if this is true with you as well, as someone who's lived in uh, random states, I always see Bulls hats. Why? Because they're cool. It's an iconic look. Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls. You know, that's what I always imagine. I'm going to go to some random country and some foreigner is going to come up to me and say, Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls. And I'll say, where, what country am I in that you're speaking like this? I don't know what he's going to say back. I do know at our station, we do have two Bulls fans. And I can't think of another franchise in any sport where people at our station support, you know, we have, we have two or more supporters. So, yeah, I would say that, uh, yeah, Bulls are popular. Uh, now the Milwaukee Bucks are going to take on the Celtics. Chris Middleton looks like he's going to miss the whole series. And I don't know what to think, Kurt. I don't know what to think. You know, uh, my pick was Bucks to win it all. And I think they still could. But I don't think that, like, the Bulls challenged the Bucks enough for us to, like, have an idea of what they're going to look like against a real challenge if that makes any sense you know what i mean like the yeah. bucks didn't really have to make any of these crazy adjustments like they were in control that whole series boston is going to make it into a chess match yeah the, the bulls didn't necessarily expose a deficiency so yeah i mean the middleton injury is massive that's massive um great yeah. MCL grade two sprain out for the uh, out for the series confirmed by CBS sports. I guess it was the original source was the athletic. So shout out to them. But um, also too, what I'm reading is that if the bucks make it out of this series, Middleton could potentially miss the Eastern conference finals as well. So it doesn't look like there's any hope that he's going to come back in the series against the Celtics. And, you know, he's definitely their second best player, but he is one of the better players in the league for sure. So, you know, not to say that, the game plan is to stop Chris Middleton. You have to stop Giannis at all costs, but you know, it's, you're going to have to take a look at how does Giannis kind of navigate his way through the defense of the Celtics? Because again, they're going to guard him with guards. They're going to guard him with bigs. They're going to double team him. They're going to blitz him. They're going to throw all the looks that you could possibly imagine at him. It's just a matter of, can he get to the rim at ease and finish or can he kick out to shooters, which they do have. And can they knock down threes? Because I feel like that is the only way that the Bucs can win this series is you get a heavy dose of Giannis and then your shooters, your role players, your Grayson Allens, uh, shoot for Bobby Portis is out here playing well. Everyone oh, yeah, he's having a, like the best year of his career. Yeah. Everyone else in supporting roles, maybe Drew Holiday kind of, uh, you know, can offset the Marcus Smart defensive production because everyone knows Drew Holiday is one of the best defenders in the league for sure. But I think the Bucs are going to have to play maybe a little bit better than they otherwise would against the Celtics. Cause I mean, maybe I'm just on cloud nine here, Fu, but at the same time, I think that this is, this is definitely your Eastern conference finals series. It's just not in the Eastern conference finals. And it, you know, a lot of people were saying the same thing about the Nets and the Celtics too. And so the, the gauntlet that they have to um, go through if they're to make it to the finals is pretty insane. 
you know, uh, because it seems like, you know, they'd have to beat the Bucs and then they'd probably have to beat the Heat. And so you could say that those are the three. I don't personally think the Nets are, like I said, they're kind of overrated. Um, but still, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. But then you got to beat uh, the defending champs and then the team that was there the year before that was the one seed. They earned it and is looking really good with Victor Oladipo. We can get, get into that a little bit later. Uh, here's an interesting stat, though. Because uh, what, what you're saying about Chris Middleton is very true. He uh, is so crucial. He's he's their second best player. I think what makes him important is he's like, offensively, he reminds me of a poor man's Paul Pierce. But not like a poor man. Maybe like a, you know, lower so middle class. You know what I mean? Like, he's certainly not rich. He doesn't have Paul Pierce's game. He's had a 50-point gamer, but, you know, Paul Pierce was smoother. Paul Pierce in his prime, like he uh, was so these like subtle little movements. All of a sudden, he has just enough space, and it's already too late. You know, Chris Middleton, uh, he's quick, he's athletic, but they need him to be that shot maker yep. when the Bucks are uh, playing at a championship level. And so you take him out, and it really puts a lot of pressure on guys like Pat Connaughton. Uh, Giannis is going to have to play more small forward. Giannis is probably going to have to take more threes. And here's an interesting stat. So in the three games Giannis played against Boston this season, 0 for 9 combined from three. Didn't make a single three against the Celtics. Uh, he did put up, you know, good stats. Like he shot 50% or over every single game. You know, he averaged at 28 in 10, four assists, a block and a steal. And I'm sure playoff numbers are going to be closer to like 33. Like he's going to have to do a ton. He's going to put up monster numbers. Um, but I think the one dimensionality without Middleton, it, it it's either these role players step up and Drew Holiday plays unbelievable. Bobby Portis continues to play the best basketball of his career. Or the Celtics are a little too quick. Uh, they are the deeper team, and they give Giannis enough looks defensively to force him to really struggle. And then right now, I mean, I'm kind of leaning towards the Celtics winning that series. I just – it's still a toss-up. I mean, it's the defending champs, I think, that where the Celtics uh, are disadvantaged potentially – it's just the sheer size and athleticism of the Bucks uh, front court with Giannis, Bobby Portis, uh, Serge Ibaka, who isn't really playing a ton, and then Brooke Lopez. But like all four of those guys are extremely good defenders, and all of them except Giannis are going to stretch the defense well too. Um, but I feel like that's just destined for seven, at least six games. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest takeaway for sure is that Middleton, in I guess it would be the last couple of years. I know Giannis made strides last year, but for the most part, Middleton was their closer. So if the Bucs needed a shot, they needed a clutch bucket, then he was their guy. So that's going to, you know, if, if you're missing your closer, if you need a shot down the stretch, you're going to have to look elsewhere in this series. Um, I think the biggest key in this series for sure is, like you mentioned, the Celtics front line. Can they contest Giannis' shots? Can they do it without fouling? Um, Giannis is, I don't, no one 
at least to my knowledge, to this date, has been able to find a way to stop Giannis. So how can you limit him? How can you contest the shots? How can you make him drive but miss them and then get the defensive board? And how can you do it without fouling? I think fouling is going to be massive in this series. And I think just the ability of the Celtics to defend, give different looks, and kind of make Giannis, you know, maybe not necessarily take the game over, but trust some of his role players, and maybe they fault down the stretch. So fouling, frontline defense for the Boston Celtics. I just, I, I see the Celtics winning. I'll, I'll make a prediction here. Celtics in six. Oh, I love it. That's spicy. Um, yeah, you know, I'm thinking you start with Tatum. You say, hey, shut this dude down. But then you uh, bring help on the drive. And from there, it's like, all right, Giannis, be Magic Johnson. Like, they say you're a really good playmaker. Okay, prove it. Prove it. Pass out of these double teams. Um, because I do think that they have – Giannis isn't Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's – some things make him a more difficult cover. Some things make more Giannis a more difficult cover, right? But if Jason Tatum can do that good a job against Kevin Durant, he can at least slow down Giannis. He probably needs some help from uh, a healthy Robert Williams. Probably needs some help from Al Horford. There are definitely going to be times, I think they're going to guard him by committee. I want to see a lot of Marcus Smart on him. And then it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a team effort. Uh, this is an opportunity for Udoka to really establish himself as an elite coach. I'm interested to see how uh, they handle uh, Giannis with their team defense. I, I think I'm going Celtics in seven right now. Um, and it's just without Middleton, you know. And the Celtics have home court too. Exactly. In Boston, it's hard, hard to play in Boston. The damn leprechaun, right? 2016 Adam Shalafu vibes, if you will. Oh, yeah. Oh, the big from, red beard. oh yeah, 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 true. Oh, you saw my uh, Facebook saw picture. Saw the yeah. picture. Oh, yeah. I was looking like, uh, I mean, that was, geez. The ladies back in college, man, they loved the beard. I'm just kidding. No one loved the beard. Not even my mom liked the beard. My, my professors really didn't like the beard. They said, you shave that. You're trying to get a job on air. You look like uh, Fred Flintstone's Irish brother. Get out of here. Um, You're burying the lead here. You found the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, and this has led to your success. The beard? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Should I grow it back? Nah. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's, let's move into a little bit of Western Conference talk. I don't know what I was thinking when I said that the Nuggets and the Warriors were going to go to seven games. <laughs> You're giving your MVP a little bit too much credit. Yeah. Yeah. Because that series went exactly how it should have gone. I'm surprised the Nuggets got a game. Yeah. Me too. I took Warriors money line that game when they were down 13. I was like, they're not going to lose this. They're not going to lose this. And they took the lead at the end and then just like, you know, Draymond gets fouled out. Uh, <laughs> that pass Draymond Green threw that knocked all the brain cells out of Clay Thompson's head for about 15 minutes. 
that really hurt the Warriors offense. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, he, Clay, Clay couldn't shoot for like 20 minutes. And then, okay, he's better from the concussion. Good. Now he's hitting the threes again. Um, but yeah, the Nuggets are the unluckiest team in the NBA. You know, to get uh, Aaron Gordon, who's like the perfect final piece, right? But then they haven't gotten to play with like their option two or option three since essentially. And uh, maybe the worst contract in the NBA, Michael Porter Jr. right now. Yeah, I mean, backs are so tough. And I don't want to compare my situation to Michael Porter Jr.'s, but I've had a lower back injury since 2017. It's still something I fight through. So it's just, you want him to be healthy. I know he's had surgeries. I hope that he's healthy because he's one of the more entertaining players in the league when he is healthy. And again, like the Nuggets have so much untapped potential when they have Michael Porter Jr., Jokic, and Murray on the floor together. Yeah. Um, will we see it for a full season? Will we see it for any extended period of time? That is, it's, it's just really unfortunate because as you've mentioned in the past, this Nuggets team is like a Western Conference Finals team, maybe even a, a pick to go to the NBA Finals if you have all three of those guys healthy. And we just may never see it. And it's really unfortunate because all three of those guys are really, really good players, obviously. Yeah. But I also like kind of their supporting cast as well. So, yeah, hopefully at some point we can see the Nuggets. But, yeah, they're just completely overmatched in this series. And what was so funny about it was you had Steph off the bench. The Warriors weren't even healthy. You know, the Nuggets were my pick to uh, go to the championship this year, like in my season preview. But I was getting really cute with it. And my rationale was Jamal Murray is going to come back healthy uh, like right before April. And then he'll be his old self in the playoffs. And I didn't expect Michael Porter Jr. to really not play. Um, but then you kind of look at that, like you said, when they're when they're all on the floor together, like that's so hard to stop because people are forgetting fast how dominant it's like a Stockton Malone type thing that uh, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic have with the dribble handoffs, the pick and rolls, the pick and pops, the backdoor action that that opens up when you have uh, Jokic as a high post passer and the gravity uh, that Murray has when you're trying to guard, you're trying to stop Murray from killing you from over in the corner. And all of a sudden you got a wide open Will Barton dunk, you know, stuff like that. Uh, I thought that it was going to be tough for the rest of the league because Murray coming back so late, they wouldn't know how to stop him yet. You know, they wouldn't get to react, but that's not how it went. Instead, the Warriors might be my favorite right now to win the NBA championship. You have this unbelievable three-headed monster. I mean, Jordan Poole has emerged as a guy who might be in a, on an all-star team next year. And this Warriors team is fun again. Uh, they're the most fun they've been since before they had Kevin Durant. Some people might say that Kevin Durant was more fun. I like to see the ball move a little bit better than it did with KD. Uh, you know, that 73 win team was like the most beautiful basketball I've ever seen on a nightly basis. Uh, and so I think they're starting to really find that identity. The bench is built super, super well. 
Um, all this to say, no matter who they face in this next round, whether it be uh, the Memphis Grizzlies or the Minnesota Timberwolves, that is going to be a hell of a fight. Uh, I, both of those teams, I, I believe, uh, number one scoring offense and the number two scoring offense in the NBA, uh, Minnesota, then Memphis, they're going to be able to challenge Golden State. And you're going to be wanting to take a lot of the overs on those. Uh, but I just don't think that anyone can really beat Golden State as things sit right now in the West. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the Celtics being deep. And I, you know, like I said with them, nine to 10 guys deep, but you get production. You're not just throwing guys out there to, to you know, get some burn. Um, talk about the, the Warriors. I mean, that probably is the deepest team in the league because Steve Kerr will play everybody and everyone gets, uh, you know, contributes to what's going on. Um, I, you know, we said in the preview as well, you have, these young guys that are off the bench, Kaminga is outstanding. Gary Payton Jr. has found a role. Uh, Bielitsa can step out and shoot the three. Otto Porter Jr. has been he been healthy. And then you have the guys that we're talking about. You know, the ascension of Jordan Poole has been phenomenal. I mean, when Steph has been out, Jordan Poole has been the guy that they've counted on for sure. First two games, I believe he was almost at a combined 60 points. So that's insane for a guy who was in the G League last year. So... Jordan Poole has been outstanding. Clay Thompson's still kind of finding his footing, but you know, he can go off like he did toward, I believe it was the end of the regular season. Can't remember if it was the final game or uh, you know, one of the games toward the end of the season, but he went off and showed us all, oh yeah, Clay Thompson can still hoop. Steph coming back from the hand. Uh, you know, Draymond is facilitating. Uh Andrew Wiggins, yeah, I almost forgot about him. Uh Toscano Anderson, like it, it doesn't really matter who Steve Kerr's throwing out there. They're getting valuable minutes. They're getting production. And you really got to account for everybody because they're just so good in their roles. And then they also just have elite players. And dare I say, I'm going to remove Clay from the situation just because he's still trying to work his way back. And he's not the Clay Thompson that we're used to seeing. But right now, the Warriors have, you know, dare I say, three and a half stars. You got Poole, Curry, and then maybe I give – Draymond, Clay, and Wiggins each half a point. We go five. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I think Curry, Poole, Clay, Wiggins, and Draymond. I mean, Wiggins had the best year of his career this year. Mm -hmm. uh, much like Kevin Durant turned into a better defender under Steve Kerr. Uh, Clay Thompson, dude's been lights out. Like, I didn't expect him to uh, – I, I don't think anyone knew what to expect. But he's shooting 45% from three, almost 46 in, in the series against the Nuggets. It's preposterous numbers. Uh, averaged just under 23 points per game in that. And the beautiful thing about the Warriors is it's like it's – like, uh, you like pancakes, Kurt? Love pancakes. You ever had a crepe? I have. Yeah. The Warriors turn a defense into crepes. They're stretched as thin as they can be without tearing. Uh, and these are teams that are normally pancakes. You know, they're going to cover the whole plate. 
It's fluffy. It's got a good texture to it. It's a nice pancake. It's a good flapjack. No, no, no. <laughs> These are crepes we're talking, all right? Because you have to worry about three different guys who can shoot from anywhere inside the gym in Curry, Poole, Thompson. Wiggins, uh, I want to say shot around 41% from three on the season. I'll pull that up right now. Uh, regular season this year. Okay, he shot 39% from three. Uh, he's shooting over 50% from three in the playoffs so far. And then you have uh, Draymond Green, who like can hit threes, but more than anything is a very dangerous playmaker and gets dudes open. And so it's like compounded nightmares, you know? Uh, I think from a shooting standpoint, the Warriors can do every much uh, every bit of creping that they could with Kevin Durant, you know, uh, Jordan Poole is not Kevin Durant, but you have to respect um, the perimeter just as much with Jordan Poole as anybody in the NBA. Uh, and I think that that just spells trouble for whoever they run into. We'll see what happens with uh, the Phoenix Suns. A lot of people had the Suns coming out of the West. We'll see if they got out of round one. Um, but yeah, I guess that's all I got to say about the Warriors for now. They're my, they're my, my Western conference pick as well. Uh, let's, let's get into the Miami heat. They dismantled the Trey young Atlanta Hawks. I'm not surprised. Uh, I thought that the Hawks got a little too much credit going into it. Uh, whereas the heat have been, I know you're like a heat hater, so I'm excited to hear what you well, have to say about this. I don't hate the heat. I'll let you go first, but I'll, I'll add a little something at the end here. Um, yeah, I mean, they're locked in defensively. Oladipo is playing really well on both ends. He's looking healthy as he's been in years. Um, granted, it's only been a few weeks. Uh, the interchangeability of guys like Max Struess, Duncan Robinson. Uh, I, I haven't really liked like Caleb Martin. So it's a deep team. Uh, biggest concern for me is Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry, even though those are probably like, could argue they're two best players. I'd probably go, maybe Bam's their best player, but I don't know. Those are two really good guys, but uh, injury concerns. They got yep. a lot of uh, miles. And if they're running into a team that uh, they might just get outlasted, you know, in the grueling, gauntlet of uh a seven game series if i'm a celtics fan i'm really hoping the heat get pushed to seven uh but yeah you know we'll we'll see what are, what are your thoughts on the miami heat i like the miami heat to be honest with you i have an issue with one player on the miami heat um before i get into that though like duncan robinson he was relegated to the bench uh he has not been playing well um, that's a big miss for them. You know, he's going to have to three, shoot the three a little bit better than he has been. Tyler Hero has been good, but again, like you mentioned, the last series, the last, definitely the last game, I'd have to take a look at who they were uh, playing the, the game before, but, you know, you're, you're throwing out Struess, you're throwing out Oladipo, uh, uh, Vincent, Gabe Vincent was out there as your starter. So yeah, they were kind of just piecing things together and just trying to buy time 
um, you know, luckily for them that they were able to get by the, uh, the Atlanta Hawks relatively quickly so they can rest up and hopefully get these guys back healthy. But, you know, you, you hear about heat culture, Adam, a lot of defense, a lot of grit, a lot of grind. Uh, I love Bam, Jimmy, PJ Tucker, all these guys that they have on the team with the exception, Adam, of Kyle Lowry. You can't hate stand him. him. I hate him. I can't stand him. Uh, Adam, one of my favorite things that you say when someone is being annoying, you call them a menace. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it a step further, Adam. Kyle Lowry is a scoundrel. A scoundrel. An absolute scoundrel. I have the definition pulled up here. A dishonest or unscrupulous person, a rogue, using a sentence here. That scoundrel sets a bad example for the other young men. That is exactly what Kyle Lowry does. Kyle Lowry, he is six foot. I don't even know if he's six foot. I've seen him in person, probably more like 5'11". He, yes, he had talent at one point. I don't know if he has talent at this oh point. Oh my gosh, at one point, he says. I don't know if he has talent at this point. I have seen too many Kyle Lowry flops. I have seen too many guys blow by Kyle Lowry and him purposely duck his face into someone's elbow to sell a call. That is dishonest, unscrupulous, and that is setting a bad example for people down the road. I can't stand Kyle Lowry. Love this. Scoundrel. I mean, you're kind of hitting the nail on the head. That's literally the definition. Like, I can't, I can't argue. I can't argue with it. I understand that playing defense is taking charges. It's a big part of the game. But he's not taking charges to take charges. He's, ooh, maybe I can bait someone into a charge here. Maybe I can sell it so the ref calls it a charge. That is not basketball. Just like James Harden and Joel Embiid will, you know, put the foot on the gas, drive into the lane, throw their arms up in the air and fall over and get a foul call in the offensive end. Kyle Lowry is to defense what Joel Embiid and James Harden are to offense. And when I say that, that is the problem with the league. And one of the reasons why I'm losing interest in basketball altogether is there's too many fouls, too many just stupid things where it's not predicated on your actual skill. It's how can I dip? How can I deceive? How can I make something look like it's make something appear to be something that it's not? How can I manipulate it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent manipulate. I mean, I'll throw Chris Paul into that mix too. And I hate that because the guys that we're talking about have skill. It's like the steroid era in baseball. Who got busted for steroids? The good players. Yeah, maybe it puts you over the top. But did you need it to begin with? I don't, I'm not so sure. Kyle Lowry was an all-star. Kyle Lowry was a great offensive player. Kyle Lowry has been a good defensive player. But I'm sick and tired of the charade that he's been on the last few years. Hey, refs, I'm going to flail. I'm going to fall. I'm going to dive. I'm going to get hit in the face, but I'm going to be the response or I'm going to be the reason why I got hit in the face. And then I'm going to look at you to make a call and put pressure on you. I think it's a lot of, because what do some of these guys have in common? They're small. They're small. They got to be feisty, you know, there's Um, hard over height, but this is nonsense. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, this is too far. Yeah. But they're trying to get any, anything they can do to get the dub. Um, But yeah, it's gimmicky. It's manipulation. It's scoundrel, scoundrel behavior. I just like to see every single time Kyle Lowry falls on the ground or is trying to guard someone and, you know, gets pushed or, you know, throws his head in the mix. Just call it a block. Yeah. 
It's called a block. Get him out of the game. I'm sick of this. Well, we're, we're at about uh, the halfway mark here in the show. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about athletic greens. No GMOs, no chemicals, no artificial anything. Less than three bucks a day. Uh, 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source, superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens. Uh, it's it's incredible. It'll it'll have you feeling like the Incredible Hulk uh, with the color as well. And it's time to reclaim your health uh, and arm your immune system with this convenient daily nutrition, especially during cold and flu season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for millions of different pills and supplements for your health. Just take it easy uh, with the Athletic Greens, and they'll give you a one-year free supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. What you got to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Speaking of colors, ColorCast, live audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and to use. Talk to us on Hoopstradamus. Uh, perfect watch parties, debates. All you got to do is download the app, ColorCast app, iOS app store, create a profile, link that up on your Twitter, bada boom, bada bing. Um, Kurt, the Philadelphia 76ers in their one-handed star in uh, Joel Embiid. When it, when does this tip, ticking time bomb explode or do they, or is this the year? Is this the year that Embiid fights for the injuries and they win it all and they go on this glorious run? Absolutely not. Yeah. This is going seven. And I don't know if they can get past the Raptors. And I love it because Joel Embiid told Drake that they were going to sweep them. It's far from a sweep. And if I'm a Sixers fan or even on the Sixers, I'm shaking in my boots at them. You don't have thigh bowl in Canada. Joel Embiid is a torn ligament in his thumb. He's telling people, okay, pain is only half the battle. It's affecting my shot, and you can see it on the box scores. Yeah, he's putting together 20-plus points a game. He's getting to the line less often. Turn he's the ball scoring. over a lot. Turn the ball over a lot. James Harden, okay, it looks like he cares, but he's not James Harden on the Rockets. So Nick Nurse, as we mentioned in the past, one of the best coaches in basketball, does a lot with ne not necessarily a lot on his team. And – Maybe I'm kind of just gassing up the Raptors here, but I see a sense of belief. I think, I think the Raptors uh, know they can get it done. I think the Sixers are on their heels. You know, it's uh, – I think me and Ben kind of hit the nail on the head with this one. We were both very suspicious that Nick Nurse would just outcoach Doc Rivers. And just – it would become a game of adjustments. And if it becomes a game of adjustments, the Raptors are better at adjusting. I would agree. And so it'll be interesting. Uh, that one does go either way. I love that you think the Raptors are going to take that series. Uh, Am I putting words in your mouth? It's going seven. The Sixers are definitely the most talented team. And, oh, that would be so tough to win four straight if you're Toronto. But, you know, why not, Foo? Raptors and seven. The purple dinosaurs are coming back. You got to love it. Ah, uh, purple dinosaurs. Made me think of Barney. Haven't thought about yeah. Barney in a long time. Kind of forgot about Barney. We're playing like Barney the first three games, and then all of a sudden, Jurassic Park. They're eating, oh. scientists, they're eating scientists off the porta potty. Oh, man. Great, great reference there. 
Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm pulling for the Raptors. Sixers yeah. annoy me. Everything yeah. about them annoys me. I'm with you. Uh, get, going to the foul line half the game annoys me. Uh, yeah. James Harden has always annoyed me. His lack of focus annoys me. Uh, his gimmicky play annoys me. His off-the-court stuff annoys me. It's nothing – I don't have anything, like, personal against him, but I don't have to like him either, you know? It doesn't make me a hater. doesn't. But I'm also not a lover. What are you going to do? I see it. It's not for me. Some people love the antics. Eh. How about you uh, live up your potential and come to your team in shape and quit being a sideshow? Maybe spend a little more time in the gym and less in the strip club. That's just my personal view. Uh, Wait, I are, see... we, are, we, are we talking about the Sixers or Kyrie and the Nets? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about uh, James Harden. Oh, goal. Cool. I know. They're all. I know. I, yeah. I, know. I, I was drawing a parallel. Yeah. Well, I, I think uh, they probably do very different things in their spare time. Kyrie and uh, like, I, I, I picture Kyrie like uh walking 42 miles into the woods and then like sitting under a tree or something you know what I mean where I see James Harden walking four blocks into the strip club and sitting under something else so mm. there's a comparison the we need that as the thumbnail <laughs> <laughs> have you seen the side little note here have you seen that that clip from uh family feud where it's like tell your wife to to what i can't ah, i'm gonna butcher it but the line is tell your wife to sit on it and he's like yes yes <laughs> that's so, great I'll, I'll have to find that that steve harvey club i forget what the actual question was for the show but it was something along the lines of like you know you, you tell your wife to uh to sit on what and the guy's like sit on your face steve and he's like yes Yes, <laughs> that's so, amazing. We uh, we we need that as the the thumbnail. James Harden, got his face sat on. That's why he's got the beard. Hey, save some for later. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's enough of that. Uh, Utah and Dallas. Um, man, Utah. They don't like each other. And it's showing. Yeah. A lot of talent on that team. Luca is eating their lunch, breakfast, and dinner, and there is no one in the Jazz who could guard him. This was the golden opportunity for the Jazz, too, because Luca wasn't available at the start of the series. So you thought, okay, you know, maybe the Jazz can put some things behind them. You know, winning solves everything. That's the cliche, right? And they weren't stealing games when Luca was out, and your boy yeah. Jalen Brunson had a 41-point game, and he's going to get paid in the offseason. Um, man, the Jazz, every single year they come in, they got defenders, they got shooters, they got depth, they have star power, they have a great coach, and they can't put it together every single year. You got to blow it up for the Jazz, but that's a yeah, topic for a different podcast. Yeah, yeah. The season recap, see off season, we'll, we'll probably, we'll have to get our friend Andrea on and talk about the Jazz at length. But well, I do trust – say that again? I was going to say, shout-out to Luca and the Mavs because this has been Luca and some guys for a couple of years now, and they get the most out of their team. So shout-out to Jason Kidd. Yeah. Shout-out to Mark Cuban. Shout-out to Luca. 
they got pieces, but you know, they, they make the most of it. They're the, the opposite of what the jazz are. Yes. And uh, yeah, Jason Kidd made them so much better defensively. And, you know, I could see, I'm not, this isn't a prediction, but I could see the Dallas Mavericks making a run to the championship just because Luka Doncic goes nuts. Like I think in the NBA playoffs, it, is there a guy like, I'm not saying he's the best player, but is there someone better at taking over a game when they get red hot? Kevin Durant, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put Luke in that conversation. Yeah, if he, we kind of saw it with LeBron, right? In 2004 or whatever it was, 2006, maybe it was 2007. I was in like eighth grade. When they went to the finals? Yeah. Yeah, 2007. I could see Luka doing something like that. But they're not going to win the championship. But we'll see. Look out for Dallas. They're legit, especially now that they play uh, really good defense. So um, I do expect them to beat uh, to advance at the very least. Advance yeah, the Mavs. The, the Mavs could get very lucky in the next series, depending on how Suns Pelicans goes. It, it, they could be lucky by facing uh no Devin Booker or they could be lucky by facing New Orleans but they're almost seem like a lock to get to the Western Conference Finals if Booker's not healthy I was going to say yes to your question yeah um all right Grizz T-Wolves I've been locked into this one that's the most compelling series so far without question yeah I uh remember we we did a series preview i don't i don't know if you saw this but i really took a lot of creative license kurt i i broke some rules in the sports journalism world i used real life wolves all right i got some shots of some timberwolves howling you know i got some shots of some timberwolves swarming a grizzly bear at a national park but it's all a metaphor these are similar beasts you know um and we we've seen all this unfold like how similar teams they are they both go on these runs uh what's given memphis the edge is they're just better defensively and when they need to make these runs they're able to find a way to stop the timberwolves whereas the timberwolves when they need to uh put the game away they're not quite efficient enough on offense when memphis really puts on the clamps and they certainly don't have the defense to stop Memphis from making those big runs. Just pulling up some stats right now. I'm trying to substantiate what I'm about to say. Boom, there it is. All right. The thing, the scariest part for Minnesota is that John Morant hasn't been good, except for the last game. So looking at the stats in the series so far, 22 points, you know, that's five points below his season average plus minus of just 5.6. So the Grizzlies are capable of playing a lot better than what they've been playing. But as you mentioned, basketball is a game of runs and the Grizzlies got a lot more runs in them than the Wolves. Um, having said that, it's, man, you mentioned the offensive firepower of both teams. You know, the Grizzlies play a little bit better defense. They have more guys. They should come out of the series, but I see this one going seven as well. I mean, either team could win this series. So 
the uh, the cut that Morant made to win the game after Ant hit that game tying three from the corner in the last game. I I want this to be a best of nine series. Yeah, best of eleven. Well, we maybe it's the Western Conference Finals next year. Could be, but man, I can't get enough of this series. I'm this is the one for sure, and I I don't know if a handful of people felt this way before the series started, but I was looking at it and I was like, no, this is the one that's going to go the distance for sure. And it's going to be the most compelling. We've seen double digit leads evaporate, evaporate like it's nothing. Yeah. And yeah. so no lead is safe, but you don't know who's going to make the run. Is it going to be the Grizzlies storming back? Is it going to be the, the Timberwolves where they hang with them a little bit and then they make a run to go up by 13? Can't beat it. Anthony Edwards is turning into a superstar before our eyes. Uh, I think long-term, he's got a legitimate chance to be better than Carl Anthony Towns. I think Carl Anthony Towns is a better player right now. I'm very impressed with the way Towns has responded after that horrible game. Uh, I can't remember if it was like game two, maybe. Um, Maybe it was game three. But, you know, he had like five fouls and less than 10 points. He talks about drinking wine after Car- Charles Barkley lights him up on inside the NBA. And you've seen a different animal. I think that Carl Anthony Towns, uh, he's like grown a lot emotionally this year, just the outside looking in. It seems like he plays with more of an edge. It seems like Pat Beverly has really uh, been – a positive influence in helping him kind of like unlock some of that killer potential, you know? Um, And you're, you're, I'm impressed with the way he's responded, but I just think that the big shot makers, clearly Anthony Edwards, he's the one making that three. Like Carl Anthony Towns, he won the three-point shootout. He he's, he's can knock down his shots, sure. But when it's get me a bucket, they clear some space for Ant, and he gets to the rim. And it's just kind of nutty to like – I want to hear your opinion on this, actually, because I compared him to Michael Jordan on Twitter, and I got some, some, uh, some response. People weren't thrilled about that, let's say. And that's fair. But I'm not saying he's Michael Jordan. What I'm saying is you look at some of the things that made Michael Jordan special, and you look at this young athlete, uh, Anthony Edwards, it's the one stop, one dribble in your beat drive. It's the ability to go over the defense. It's the uh, core strength in the air. It's the ability to uh, adjust and take hits and it's the shot. You know, I, I think that like you see a lot of Dwayne or Michael Jordan and Dwayne Wade, you see a lot of Dwayne Wade and Anthony Edwards. It's kind of that basketball evolution. And um, if the Timberwolves do win this series, I think it's on the legs of Edwards doing something like really special. Yeah. I think Dwayne Wade is probably a fair comp. Uh, at this point for sure you know when you're comparing a guy in his second league to the greatest player of all time I think it's a little bit premature I'll yeah. say yeah but uh, you know I, I'm not saying it's wrong I'm saying I 
I'll wait and see. Um, I think the thing that stands out to me is Edwards, you know, 36% from three, nothing to scoff at for sure. Um, so at some point, he's just going to have to put together more of a complete package, improve those numbers, improve those efficiency statistics. But outside of that, no, I mean, he, his trajectory is insane. And yeah. can't wait to see it. Um, just to clear up something you made earlier, game three for Cat. Eight, oh, points, eight points, five boards, five personal fouls. But as I look through the, the box scores as well, this guy, let's do some quick math here. 13, 17. 22, 25, 25 turnovers in five games, Adam. Oof. For Cat. Bad. Five a game. That's bad. That's really bad. Especially for a big that doesn't handle the ball. Well, that's such a tough matchup that they can throw Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson on him. Yeah. Like, that's – if the Grizzlies were somehow to meet the Bucks in the finals, can you imagine them throwing – you can throw that at Giannis. Yeah. Like what that's one of the best like tag team defensive uh if not the best. Like Steven Adams isn't some all defensive nightmare guy, but he's so damn strong. Best he's, screener in the game. Yeah, yeah. And he uh just dominates the offensive glass. Like that's how the uh Grizzlies got that game. Like Brandon Clark, 15 rebounds. John Morant, 13 rebounds. That's where the Wolves have consistently gotten beat on the glass. And um, it'll be interesting to see. I think all these GMs of the teams that, I mean, I guess every playoff team, they need to be cognizant throughout like, hey, let's stay in the moment, but let's also keep an eye on our needs for the offseason. And the Timberwolves, they could use uh, a really damn good rebounder. Yeah, just more experience, too. Because yeah. all these guys are, are not – I don't know if Cat's in his prime. He seems to be getting better. He seems to be becoming a better shooter for sure. But, you know, they're all super young still. Cat, Anthony Edwards is only 20 years old. We forget about D'Angelo Russell sometimes because he's been in the league forever. Also still really young. They keep this core together, find some complementary pieces around them. Timberwolves are going to be good for a while. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I think they're very close to being – well, the, the, the most fun thing about this series is they're Memphis. They're last year's Memphis team. And we saw the jump Memphis took. But no one expected Memphis to beat Golden State for the play-in. Here they are, the two seed the following year. The Memphis Grizzlies are still the youngest team in the NBA, and people forget that. Timberwolves aren't that much younger. I think uh, without looking at the rosters, I assume that, you know, Greg Monroe and Pat Beverly bring that average age up substantially, um, which is key to have kind of that veteran presence. But, yeah, these two teams, it's like that uh, Dark Knight scene from Batman where, you know, Heath Ledger and Christian Bale are, I think uh, Joker's like hanging upside down, right? And he's like, we're going to be doing this forever, you know? Like, I think that this is a rivalry in the making that is going to last the next 10 years. There's my bold prediction. Uh, because both teams extremely well coached. Both teams 
extremely high scoring. Both teams have the ability to play at tremendous pace. Uh, one team is a season further along. Even though the Grizzlies kind of got like handled last year against the Jazz, I believe was the Jazz, uh, they, they showed a lot of fight. And I think a lot of the pundits in the national media kind of overlooked this Timberwolves team. I think they were the most overlooked team in the NBA all season. Uh, and some of that goes into they didn't like come out guns a blazing. They kind of put it together. But once they figured it out, they really figured it out. Um, but I, I'm sticking with my Grizzlies in seven prediction. If it was uh, Minnesota home game in seven, maybe that's different. But unfortunately for Minnesota, the Grizzlies lost two games. Yep. You know, like straight up lost those games that they had won. They gave them away. Uh, maybe that's a little harsh. You got to give the Grizzlies credit, but it's like basketball. It's so important to be able to handle that pressure. And I don't mean like physical pressure. Of course, I mean that as well, but I mean the uh, mental pressure of the other team nipping at your heels and come back. And we're yet to see the, the Wolves truly put that together over the course of 48 minutes I guess you kind of did but like even the game uh game four where the Timberwolves tie it at two they lose that, that win that game by one point you know Desmond Bain hits it makes it 119-118 like did they lose or they just run out of time as Michael Jordan would say one final thing I have on this to substantiate your claims earlier, Memphis Grizzlies. This is from an article. I don't know if you can technically call it an article. It's just statistics, but came out at the beginning of the season. Average age of the teams in the league, Memphis Grizzlies, 24.2 years. Minnesota, 24.3. Wow. Third to youngest, second to youngest. Who's the youngest team in the league, Adam? Well, the Lakers, of course. Hmm. Um, who is the youngest team in the league? And not that this would help, but the number is 24.1. Pistons? They're, they're close. Fourth to last. At 24.8. Thunder. Okay, sure. So, I think that the uh, Grizzlies and the Timberwolves, a little bit more upside, at least in, you know, coming years. Oklahoma City, probably three or four years away from being playoff team but who knows what will happen with all those picks from sam presti but yeah i mean you gotta like that young guys you can be superstars second to youngest team in the league and you're a two seed out west minnesota back in the playoff hunt back in the playoff play, a playoff picture i should say 24.3 third youngest team in the league a lot of excitement around those small markets well i think we've managed to hit every series kurt well we got one more foo we got Suns and Pelicans. Oh, of course. You, you, you go ahead and get this party started. It just shows how valuable Devin Booker is. I mean, this is probably a sweep when he's out there. Um, Pelicans have stolen a couple games. I still expect the Suns to win, but 
I think going into the series and definitely into the into the playoffs, just as a whole, Suns were the favorite to win it. And you, you, I mean, there was no reason why they weren't going to, right? You'd have to kind of dig and figure out, okay, let's make an argument for why not. But there's a lot of reasons why the Suns can make the NBA Finals and then ultimately win it this year. Um, but Devin Booker's injury, I mean, that is absolutely something to look at. I still think that they get past the Pelicans, probably do it in the next game, game six. Um, but shout out to Brandon Ingram. I mean, he's been playing well. CJ McCollum's been playing well. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what you feel about Zion Williamson if you're a Pelicans fan. Do you want him on your team? Do you just want to, you know, quit while you're ahead, per se, and, and deal him for maybe some talent or some picks? But, you know, Pelicans are playing a lot better than I think that people give them credit for. And I think that what we're seeing now, and maybe I'm jumping the gun here because we haven't seen a healthy Devin Booker and who knows when he'll return. I think it's kind of, as far as I can tell, I haven't seen anything saying that he's going to be out for an extended period of time. So just managing his injury. Um, But hey, I think I'm slotting in Golden State a little bit ahead of the Suns at this point for my Western Conference pick. I definitely am. Uh, Chris Paul has to prove it to me. And, like, I respect him. I think he's one of the best point guards of all time. Um, Shout out to Brandon talking uh, Chris Paul yesterday, and we're looking at all these stats and how statistically Chris Paul's so much better than Isaiah Thomas. But when has Chris Paul had his Isaiah Thomas moment? He hasn't. He hasn't. He hasn't. And the lack thereof – Dare I say, it doesn't, I don't know if tarnish is too strong a word, but like, it certainly doesn't help his legacy. Uh, Isaiah Thomas is a champion. Isaiah Thomas, you know, famously has 24 points in the third quarter in the finals against the Lakers on one leg. Chris Paul famously dribbles a, a, a ball off his foot. You know, like, he gets hurt in the playoffs every year. I think it's like we mentioned earlier in the show, him and Kyle Lowry, uh, they sacrifice their body a lot. Chris Paul, we've seen a few breakdowns late in the season. It's part of what makes him special, but also kind of like one of the reasons he gets hurt. I need to see Chris Paul stay healthy before I can say the Phoenix Suns are going to beat the Golden State Warriors. Warriors are healthy right now. I mean, Curry, like, technically is still coming back, but, like, dude's looking pretty good. Looking pretty good. And so um, I don't think that the Pelicans have any business. I think this series is, like, over. Uh, I think it's going to be over in six. I think Suns take the next game, and that's that. Uh, But then they got work to do. Uh, They got to get right. The best-case scenario for them to get to uh, a Western Conference Finals or get to – the NBA finals is closing this series out in six games though. Like don't put extra miles on your team by messing around. Like you got to beat these guys by 20 and end it uh, and then move on and get prepped, get healthy, get rested. Uh, Cause it's only going to get harder from here. And I just look at this Pelicans roster and like no disrespect to Brandon Ingram uh, I, I love what Valanciunas has done for them as well, but they have no Herb business. Jones. 
Herb Jones, yeah. But they Herb have no Jones. business beating the Suns. None. Yeah. That game's at uh, 7.30 Eastern today. Uh, just read a report over the last 18 hours that Devin Booker could return today. So, like I said, there's no substantial injury there, just a hamstring tweak. Um, so hopefully he'll be good to go either today or in the next series for sure, if they can get by from the Pelicans without him. But, uh, yeah, something to keep an eye on for sure, man. Health, always an indicator. Health is wealth. Yeah. Today's episode of Hoopstradamus is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is newly created internet community, one that we are a proud member of. It tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. Perfect for hoops around sports and nonsense, sports and jokes. Uh, they're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. It's a rising tide. It lifts all the boats. So go check them out on our uh, social media. Go to sportsdrink.org, open Instagram. Uh, and we are at S-P-R-T-S-E-R-N-K. It's like sports drink without the vowels. And uh, it's great. Yeah, just close the door on your way out. We don't want to let that funk out. Uh, we got some funky shows, this being one of them. Uh, Kurt, closing thoughts. Celtics winning it all, Adam. I'm all in. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. And it's Barry it's green. This year. Green Kool-Aid. All right. Is that a thing? It is now. Sure there is, yeah. If not, you can get on some uh, some of the greens. Some of the uh, athletic greens. Yeah, that's true. Hey, fills in the holes that your vitamins otherwise wouldn't have for you. Much like the Celtics defense. Filling gaps. Absolutely. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you next time.